following is a presentation of Cornerstone Bible Church in Virginia Beach. For more information on Cornerstone, as well as additional sermon downloads, please visit cbcvirginia.com. You were expecting a Christmas sermon. I apologize, you're not getting one today. I uh, only have this Sunday and next Sunday before my sabbatical, which I'm still like processing. It's kind of weird to think that, like it's hard for me when I don't preach one week. There's a part of me that sits there and I'm like, this feels really odd to be sitting when I feel like I should be up here. And sometimes it's been two weeks and I've been like, oh my goodness, that's really, really weird. And now I'm going to be sitting there for two months just listening. Uh, That is, you just need to pray for me now, okay? Because I'm going to be like weirded out by that. So it's just been a long time since I've just sat. So uh, We've got this Sunday, we've got next Sunday. We wanted to do a couple things uh, with these final two Sundays. And one of the things we wanted to do is rather than focus our hearts again on Christmas, which of course would be good, we wanted to recognize some of the things that God has been doing here in our church over the last several months, really. And we want to take the time today to commission or install, I like the word install, but it makes it sound like software, uh, commission or install our new elders, the ones we've called this year, Jared Caleb and Isaac. And so we're going to come here to Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 11 to 16 this morning. But, but what I want to do to begin with is I want to read the whole context of starting Ephesians 4, chapter, uh, 4 verse 1, read all the way to verse 16, and then we will go to the Lord in prayer. So if you will, please look at your Bibles or at the screen here behind me, and let's read this. Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led, led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Father, we gather this morning around this idea of, of commissioning these men as pastors, as elders of this church, in full recognition that ultimately you are the, the real pastor of not just this church, but of the church that you are the chief shepherd, the good shepherd who cares for the sheep, and that all we are, just, we're just under shepherds. And so this morning, while we focus on this role, this office, the, these men who have been called to fill it, 
I pray, God, that in the midst of all of this, none of us will lose sight of the fact that, that we are nothing, that our names don't matter, as we have said so often, that only your name matters, that this is your church, and, and we give all the honor and the glory to you for all that, that is done here. And every good thing comes back to you, maybe every bad thing comes on us, but, but, but Lord, we just want to acknowledge that from the very beginning this morning. And so I pray as we look through your word, as we remember and recognize what the scriptures say are the, the expectations and the responsibilities for the pastor, for the elder. I pray, God, that, that this will be a time to rejoice in your goodness and your sovereign hand displayed here within Cornerstone, but also across the world as your church continues to advance against the gates of hell and bring the gospel to more and more and more people. Thank you for the time to spend together this morning doing this. Thank you for what this represents. And so we give it to you in this time and ask your blessing on it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I said, today is a very special day for us, Ken and Life of Cornerstone. We don't have too many things, I feel like, that from time to time we, we really stop and focus on, maybe even somewhat in a traditional manner to do and to remind ourselves of and to think about and challenge ourselves with in regards to what it means to be the life of the church. Obviously, we have communion, we have baptism, and those moments where we do this, but but we, don't, we really don't have a lot. This is one of those few moments, I feel like, in the life of the church where we really can come together and, and just remember and reflect on what God has done and what he continues to do here in our midst. As I mentioned, we're trying to take this service here to install or commission Jared and Caleb and, and, and Isaac as elders at Cornerstone. Jared, if you weren't here, became an elder back in July. Caleb and Isaac will become elders effective January 1. We put them all together for this. And when we... When, we call someone as an elder normally, if we're just thinking about it procedurally, we do it via a ballot at a members meeting, right? If you were a member of Cornerstone a couple weeks ago, we had a members meeting and we, we voted on these men to call them as our pastor. And while we could certainly leave it at that and do nothing more, it just, I don't think that's enough. None of us do. We don't think that that's enough, that that's the, the right way to do it because recognizing uh, the fact that, that, yeah, we need procedures to do those things, Calling pastors to oversee us is much more than a procedural matter. It is much more than that. It's not about Robert's rules of order. It's not about ballots and agendas and members' meetings. And No, what we're talking about here is something that, that we would view as God actually calling these men to this role through us. And, and so uh, Jared and, and Caleb and Isaac then, and the rest of us as well, they did not become elders simply because we voted them in. We would see it as they became elders because God has called them to this task through this church, and all we did was just recognize it together that day. Okay, that's, that's all that happened that day. And so because God has done this work in our body, it only seems fitting for us just to take a, one service to publicly acknowledge that and officially install these men into their new positions of service. And so I'm taking us back into a passage here in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16, that we've actually uh, been in at least three times already here at Cornerstone. And no, I'm not being lazy because it's Christmas week. It's just one of those passages that I think is the right place to go for this kind of service. If you will allow me to be nostalgic for a minute, which you don't have any say in, so uh, I will. The, uh, the first time I, we preached, I preached on Ephesians chapter 4 was actually the weekend I came to candidate uh, to become the teaching pastor here at Cornerstone. That was, I think, July, right, Jamie? July of 2007. It's been a long time now. We start to forget things at this point. But um, 
it was uh, a weekend. We came in. Pastor Tim was leaving, and so they, they flew us here and had like a meet and greet over at Ed and Becca's house one day, and there was other stuff going on, events, and then Sunday morning, I was supposed to stand up and preach, and I just look back at that moment and just laugh. Like, I, I stood up and I preached on this passage, Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 16, about the role and the responsibility of the pastor to the church and of the church then to the pastor. And while everything I said was completely and totally biblically accurate, I didn't understand any of it. It's like when you talk about parenting before you have children. Like, you might know right things about parenting, right? You, you might have good information and facts and be able to speak truthfully about such things, but when you have kids, then you really begin to know, right, about parenting. It was a similar way. I don't even know what I said that day, but I just look back, and I was so inexperienced, so green. I still am. I just, it's just funny to think back to that moment. That was the first time we looked at it. The second time we came back to this passage was not so funny. It was at a really very dark moment uh, in Cornerstone's life. It was uh, December of 2008, I think, or January of 2009. I'm not exactly sure, but... I often joke that after arriving at Cornerstone, I successfully shrunk the church down to about 60 or 70 people coming each week. It was a very successful first beginning here, and things were like really bad and seemed to be getting worse, and, and you know, it's right when things seem the worst that they always go a little lower, right? It's those, those were the moments, and uh, it was, again, right around December, January 2008, 2009, we wake up one uh, Monday morning, we being the elders, the leadership team, to find an email in our inbox from one of our three original elders saying he was out of here. He was leaving. No warning, no notice. We were shocked. I've had years to reflect on that event. And I'm still just as baffled today as I was back then. Uh, talk about discouraging, right? I mean, just, oh, that was, that was discouraging. And so we talked that whole week. How are we going to tell the church? What are we going to say? We, we got our plans together in that Sunday morning stood up, we made the announcement of what had happened, and then we came back to this passage, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16, because what I wanted us to understand at that time was that this is not a, a light or, you know, easy commitment that you just walk away from like a Fruit of the Month Club membership. To, to be an elder, to be a pastor is a weighty responsibility, one to be taken seriously by everyone involved, both the, the men who serve in that role, as well as the people who, who sit under their responsibility. And so we, we came back here to look at it and to, to see it as such a, a, such a weighty and serious thing. The third time I preached on it uh, was about two years ago. We installed Chris as an elder, wherever Chris went now. Uh, we installed Chris as an elder, and Jordan made the joke that we were redeeming it at that point because it had been so like sad the one, second time we were in it. So this next time was much happier coming back and looking at all that God had done over those years in between 2008 and 2012 and to see the, just the goodness of God to us. I, I, hope, I hope you reflect on that sometimes, just for us as a church, just to stop and think about God's goodness to this little, little body of believers here at Cornerstone. It, it's overwhelming, really, to think about it. And so we, we came back and we used it to challenge Chris that day, and now we're coming back again a fourth time as we install these new men. And what we're going to do today is very simple, doing the same thing we've done before. We're just going to take a few minutes together to, number one, challenge Jared and Caleb and Isaac to consider and understand the weight and the seriousness of what they've been called to do for us, okay? They're pastoring all of us, myself included. They 
there are pastors, and we need to understand that. We want to challenge you guys. As you, I'm going to kind of talk to them sometimes and kind of talk to all of us other times. I want to challenge you guys to accurately think about that responsibility. I even joked with uh, Isaac uh, the Sunday after the vote. I walked up to him and I said, congratulations, or should I say condolences? And he like uneasily laughed at that and went on. But just want you guys to understand what you're being called to biblically so that you know what we are holding you accountable to. And then for all of us together, we want to, to recognize what God has called us to then in response. Okay, It's not just that all the weight falls on, on these men, on us as elders. There's an equal responsibility to us all, and so we want to challenge ourselves regarding that. And so to do that, let's look at this passage here in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. We're going to start by just trying to understand the role and responsibility of the elder. Because after beginning this chapter really by urging the, the Ephesians to live out the gospel, that's really what's going on in, in verses 1 through 10, Paul introduces us now to Jesus Christ, the gift giver. And you'll notice here that the first three words of verse 11 are, and he gave. And the he, of course, is referring back to Jesus. If you look back in verse 7, you can really pick up the context there to see that it's Jesus he's talking about and Jesus gave. And so right off the bat, Paul is drawing our minds to this act of Jesus giving, which as good students then should raise uh, two questions really in our minds. Number one, what is he giving? What exactly is Jesus doing here? And number two, who is he giving it to? Well, the answer to the first question can be found right here in verse 11. What was it that Christ gave? Well, according to the text, he's giving people. He's giving men, and specifically in the text, he's giving them in various roles. Paul lists four specific roles here that Christ is giving. He's giving apostles, he's giving prophets, he's giving evangelists, and he's giving shepherds and teachers. And these two go together. It's like we're saying that I am a husband and father. It's both referring to the same person, the same idea, same thing here. He's giving shepherds and teachers. These are his gifts. And so that answers question number one. Number two now, to whom is he giving them? Well, the answer to that really comes in verse 12. If you notice here, there's two important words or phrases in verse 12 that you should take notice of. The first one is the word saints. The second is this phrase, the body of Christ. So who are the saints? Who is the body of Christ? Well, that's, that's the church. Christ is giving these gifts to the church. And and I point that out right off the bat because I think there's a danger that we misread this passage and we start to think that maybe Christ is giving these gifts to the people who fulfill them. In other words, like he's given this guy over here the gift of being an apostle. And he gave this person over here the gift of being a prophet. And he gave this person over here the gift of being an evangelist. And he gave this guy over here the gift of being a shepherd and a teacher. No, he's not giving these gifts to individual people. He is giving these men in these roles of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor, teacher to his church. Which, if I could just pause, is a, is a very humbling, nearly crushing thought, I think, for me personally. Because what he's basically saying here is that he's giving us, put in our context here, us seven men to you as his gifts and you should all like, start making jokes like, was it a white elephant exchange? Like, is there a receipt? Can we return them? Um, you know, it's just, it's just a, a, a weighty, there's nothing special about us. It's just the, the roles. It's a weighty thought to realize that, that as Christ cares for his 
body, for his bride, that he gives these gifts, these, these men and these roles to his church to lead it and guide it, which is part of why over the, the years, 1 Corinthians 1 has just meant so much to me. That is a passage I can't tell you how many times I've come back to over the years, where Paul says that God purposely chooses the weak and the foolish and the base to put to shame the, the wise and the strong and the noble, right? I mean, he does it so that he can get all the glory. Ed jokes often about, you know, just a bunch of pinheads. That's what he calls the elder team, just a bunch of pinheads. And he's right. <laughs> he's right. There's nothing special about pastors other than what we've been called to do. There's nothing inherently better about us than anyone else. So, so I, I find my, my comfort in the fact that Jesus likes to do that, to take weak and foolish men and women too and use them for his glory. That's the only explanation for why I can see he calls the men he does into this role, so that he can get the glory. But I digress. This is, this is how Paul introduces us to this section. By introducing us to these various gifts that Jesus is giving to his body. But that's not all he does here because not only does he tell us what these gifts are, but he also tells us why they're given, what the, the purpose of the gifts is. And, and please note that from this point on, I'm only going to focus on the shepherd-teacher gift. I'm not going to look at the other ones because they don't really matter for our context this morning. But, we're, but we look at that one here and just try to understand its purpose. And our first clue into the purpose of these gifts comes in the very terms that Paul uses to describe them. So the first one he uses is the term shepherd. Some of your translations, depending on what you have, may say pastor. That's fine. Pastor and shepherd mean the exact same thing. And so while Christ, as I mentioned earlier, is very clearly the, the great shepherd, he's the good shepherd, as he called himself, in his absence, while he is at the right hand of the Father, he has left under shepherds to, to tend his flock while he's gone. And so as a shepherd, Jared and Caleb and Isaac, I would remind you that it is your responsibility along with the rest of us to guard and care for and lead this flock. We have to, we have to guard it from, from wolves, from people who would seek to hurt it. We have to guard it from false teachers, from those who would seek to lead these people astray. We, we have to care for it as a father cares for his children. And I know you love this church, but I'm going to give you a secret that you don't maybe know yet, as you serve in this role longer, you will grow in your love for, for Cornerstone and for the people that God has made, brought to us. As a father cares for his children, you're going to care for it. You're going to cry when they cry. You're going to rejoice when they rejoice. It's your responsibility. It's our responsibility to lead in the paths we should go. These are the ideas of what it is to be a shepherd, okay? It's a, it's a loving term. It's a, it's a term of, of endearment and care and and this is the first thing he says is our responsibility. Number two, he uses the term teacher. And so again, men, I would remind you that it is your responsibility to teach God's word both publicly and privately. You know, oftentimes when we talk about pastors teaching, everyone instantly thinks of what I'm doing right now. They think of sermons. They think of some guy who's going to stand up and he's going to drone on for like 30 or 45 minutes or longer, unfortunately, right? So they, they instantly think of this moment here. Yes, this is a, a, an important part of what we do, but recognize that the vast majority of teaching that happens at Cornerstone does not happen here. That for us as an elder team, the vast majority of our teaching responsibility will never occur on this platform. So you guys, yes, you will be called upon to, to preach and teach here publicly, but remember that 
you're always responsible to be preaching and teaching. That's in your community groups, when you're driving in the car with someone, when you're at Starbucks or Panera or whatever you're doing, you recognize that, that your role is to be uh, one that accurately communicates God's truth to the people that he has entrusted to you. Speak truth into their lives so that they can grow to be more like Jesus Christ. And so the responsibility here is not to preach sermons. Everyone understand that? All pastors, all elders, regardless of their function within the team, are to be teachers of the word, accurately and faithfully communicating God's truth to the people he has entrusted us with. You see the third responsibility now in verse 12. When he says that these gifts were given in order to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. So there's another responsibility, men, that you guys have to fulfill to this body. You must be equipping them to do the work of ministry. That means you need to be preparing them to be the ministers that God has already commanded them to be. And we'll talk more about that in a moment, so I won't elaborate now. But, but you need to be equipping people. So right off the bat here in Ephesians 4, you see three responsibilities that every elder, every pastor has, regardless of their function, regardless of what they do. They are to be shepherds. They are to be teachers. They are to be equippers. Uh, church, these are the things that you can expect from them and from us. You should be holding us accountable for these things. If we're not shepherding and teaching and equipping you, then something is going terribly wrong. Men, you're responsible for these things. And your role as elder, remember that. But here's a truth that many people forget in this process. Not only does the elder or the pastor, the same word, two words for the same office, not only does the elder or the pastor have certain responsibilities placed on them by God in this role, the entire church has a responsibility or a role to play in this as well. And you're like, uh, where? Because I don't see anything about that here in, in the text. Well, it's here. Let me show you. Uh, so number one, if it is our responsibility as elders to shepherd you, it is your responsibility to be shepherdable. Okay? It's very simple. That means that when we come to you and we ask you to do something out of obedience to Christ because we're concerned about its consequences in your life, you, you should listen. If, if we come to you and we warn you about something we've seen, something we're, we're noticing in your life, you should, you should take that to heart when we try to lead you in a certain direction. You should follow and, and understand. I'm not saying this in like uh, you should just blindly follow whatever we say because clearly we make mistakes too. But, but you should at least recognize that, that when we come to you with those kinds of, of weighty things, we're doing it out of a care for your soul and you have a responsibility at that moment as well. The writer of Hebrews says it this way. He says, obey your leaders. He's talking to the believers. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. That didn't go where I thought it would. There. Obey your leaders and, and, and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Do you see what he's doing here, both with the, the leaders and the people? To the people, he's saying, listen, obey, submit to them, because they have to answer to Jesus. I, that terrifies me. <laughs> with no exaggeration, no being dramatic for effect here, every time I stop and think about the responsibility that one day I'm going to stand before Jesus and he's going to ask me to give an account for Bob Deacon and Jane Stevens and every one of you here listed in this room, 
terrifies me. And so he, he encourages you then on our behalf, thankfully, to listen, to submit to your leaders. One day, one day they're given account. So, so please, please, just be shepherdable. You are. I'm not, I don't have anything I'm trying to get across here. Just understand the responsibility. Number two, if it's our responsibility to teach you, then it's your responsibility to be teachable. Okay? See where this is going? As long as we are being faithful and honest with the scriptures, teaching you God's word should never be a fight. And thankfully it's not. It's, it's not. Again, it, just, it doesn't mean that you blindly accept everything we say as gospel truth because the fact of the matter is, is we make mistakes too. I, I remember one time, some of you, few of you might still be around who were uh, here at that point. I remember I got up one Sunday and I preached an entire sermon, went home. Next week I'm studying for the next one and as I'm working through it, I'm like, I think I completely missed the point of that sermon. Not like completely. I think I completely missed the point of what the text was trying to say. And so I had to stand up the next week and say, I got it wrong. Let's go back. And I had to re-preach the sermon. You know what that tells you? We all make mistakes. <laughs> I'm, I'm reminded in those moments of, of, a, of something my seminary professor, one of my seminary professors said to me. He said, the day you stop changing is the day you stop growing. And what he was trying to communicate by that is, is that none of us, none of us, I don't care what your title is, what your role, what your education, none of us will ever in this life understand God and his word perfectly. There will always be room to change. There will always be room to, to move. There will always be things we need to sharpen and understand better and sometimes just understand completely differently. The day you stop changing in your understanding of scripture is the day you have stopped growing because you either have died and you're with Jesus and now you get everything perfectly or you've just quit. So, so recognize we're not going to know everything. We're going to make mistakes, but to the extent that we are able to accurately teach you God's word, your responsibility back is to be willing students. You should be teachable. Number three, if it is our responsibility to equip you, guess what? It's your responsibility to be equipable. And it's important to note here in the text that the responsibility for doing the work of ministry is placed not on the gifts, but on the saints. These four gifts, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, these guys are not being given to the church to do the work of ministry. They're being given to the church to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And so I would remind you all that it is not the elder's responsibility to do ministry in Cornerstone. We are not your spiritual hired guns. We are not spiritual service providers. We've said that before. It is all of our responsibility together to be doing the work of ministry. We are responsible for it as believers, not as pastors, not as, as believers. You are responsible for it as believers. Everyone who is a part of Cornerstone is a minister of Jesus Christ, which is the origin of that phrase or a little saying that we like to throw out from time to time, right? You know what I'm talking about? If you're in the Navy, guys, or Marine Corps, sorry for the few of you in here, okay? There's like three of you, two of you. That you're not really in the Navy, you're not really in the Marine Corps, you're really a minister of Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised as someone who's in the Navy or Marine Corps. You've got like, you're the best secret agent ever. You really are a minister, but you put on a disguise every single day, and they're even giving you money to do it, but to go and be a minister cleverly disguised as something else. 
You're not really a business leader, okay? You own a business, you're a manager, you work in it, whatever. You're really a minister of Jesus Christ cleverly disguised as a business leader. Hey, I don't know if anyone here is retired, but if there is someone, you're not really retired. You're really a minister of Jesus cleverly. You're not really a stay-at-home mom. You're really a minister of Jesus cleverly disguised as a stay-at-home mom. Do you, do you, it's drawing a distinction between what we do and who we are, because we often confuse those ideas. And people will say, well, what do you do? Well, I'm, a, I'm a doctor, I'm a this, I'm a that. No, you're not. You might do medicine, you might be a business owner, you might be in the military. That's not who you are. If you're a believer in Jesus, you are a minister of Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised as something else. And because we are all ministers, guess what? We are all responsible together to do the work of ministry and to build up the body of Christ. It's our job to equip you to do that. It's your job to be equipable and to do the ministry. This relationship is a two-way street. What's the outcome when, when this is all working the way it should? Well, here, here's what goes on, verse 12. Uh, first of all, the body of Christ is built up, and that will continue, he says in verse 13, until heaven, until we all come to the unity of the faith. No more disputes about theology or doctrine. No, we're all together in our faith until we've all been unified in the knowledge of the Son of God, until we've all come to a mature manhood, to the very measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ, until... In other words, we finally have accomplished the mission of Cornerstone, right? To work with all the energy God gives us to present everyone to him perfect in Christ Jesus. Until that day, what do we do? Verse 14, let's stop being children. And you contrast that kind of with the comment he made about mature manhood up in verse 13. Let's stop being tossed here and there by waves and carried about by uh, every wind of doctrine. Stop being tossed and carried about by the trickery of men. Stop being tossed and carried about by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. In contrast to that, verse 15, to speak the truth in love. So simple. Speak the truth in love, and in doing so, we're going to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, Jesus Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, when everything's going the way it should, it will make the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There you go. That is a biblical model for church growth. Everyone doing their parts within this. And so, in calling these men to this role to become pastors or elders here in Cornerstone, all we've done is just simply recognize what God has already been doing in them, okay? We, we didn't appoint them to this because of any other factor. We, we looked around and we said, who's pastoring now? Who's meeting the biblical qualifications? Who's doing the work of ministry? And we recognize these men and God's working in their lives, and we wanted to come and affirm that. And so, men, we're excited to add you to the leadership team. Jared, been happy to have you since uh, July and we're excited even more to see how God is going to use them and us and our church in the days ahead. They do have a weighty responsibility ahead of them. And so do, so do all of us. And so at this time, I want to ask these three men if they will join me up here at the front. 